0: Good morning. Uh, My name is Brian Rue, and I have the privilege this morning to share God's good news with y'all. We are in Galatians chapter 5. We've been journeying through Galatians, and we've arrived at the passage where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So that's our passage this morning. There is a saying attributed to the theologian J.I. Packer who describes the condition of Christianity in America as being 3,000 miles wide and half an inch deep. In an age of 30-second commercials, 30-page cliff notes to a 300-page book, the 12-minute TED Talk that summarizes a lifetime of learning... The long obedience in the same direction, a quote from Friedrich Nietzsche, is not looked upon with a lot of hype and enthusiasm. This notion of the long obedience in the same direction doesn't hold much sway in today's fast and instantaneous world. The idea that we as Christians are called to this long obedience of maturing and growing into the likeness of Jesus Christ by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, moving and walking in the same direction when there are a host of other enticing, interesting, pleasing, attractive, tempting shortcuts and alternative routes to take seems, well quite frankly, boring and uneventful. But I hope to show you this morning that this moving in the long direction, the long obedience in the same direction, is in fact the eventful life, the true life, the life as it was meant to be lived, the life found in Jesus Christ by the leading of the Holy Spirit. As Eugene Peterson writes, In his book, with the same namesake as the quote mentioned above, it is not difficult in such a world to get a person interested in the message of the gospel. It is terrifically difficult to sustain the interest. If you can recall back to the sermon from Pastor Paul last week, where is your joy? Millions of people in our culture make decisions for Christ, he writes, but there is a dreadful attrition, that's dropout, a dreadful attrition rate. Many claim to have been born again, but the evidence for mature Christian discipleship is slim. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, might I throw in the word fruit, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship to what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. Oops, sorry. This morning, it would be easier to preach a sermon that goes something like this. In our text from Galatians 5, Paul lists the works of the flesh. We need to purge the works of the flesh. Chief vice among them is sexual immorality. Thus, it is the greatest of bodily sins. And even if the preacher didn't say that, it would not be far-fetched for a lot of folks to think that and believe that. On the other hand, we have the nine fruit of the Spirit. Memorize these. Wear these on your heart. Wear them on your sleeves. Cultivate them as if a farmer would tending his or her crops. These are the qualities that characterize a true Christian. How are you growing as a Christian? What signs are there that you are bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Now, I use that kind of voice because I don't think that's really helpful. While that root seems attractive, I would argue that that's not what the Apostle Paul had in mind. I would argue that that would not be a faithful exegeting of the text by the preacher. I would go as far as saying that that approach doesn't honor and communicate the spirit of the letter as intended back then for the church of Galatia and now for us today. So let's look at the text this morning. Let's see what the apostle Paul had intended and let's hold off in importing our own reading or beliefs or tradition into the text, but wait and be open to how the spirit of God might speak through his word. This is the text from this morning reads like this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such Things, there is no law and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires This is the word of the Lord Now if you've been tracking with us in this series entitled faith working through love You realize that the apostle paul has been making an argument He's been presenting this case and the case looks something like this. If I can take us in a whirlwind tour of what he's been saying thus far. He's been saying to this church, this community of believers, that they've been turning to a different gospel. There's a group that I'm going to call the Judaizers, these folks who believe in Jesus, but have added something to the gospel message and are leading the church, the Christians of this, this place, Galatia, on a different path. Later, he says that there are some trouble. There's some trouble with this community because there's been this distorted gospel message. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but this faction of Judaizers have been adding to the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ plus something else that defeats the message of what Jesus had come to share. He goes on and even chastises, if you remember, Peter and Barnabas because there's a group of Gentile Christians. They're eating together. And when these Judaizers come because they believe that the gospel plus something message is making Peter and Barnabas retract, they don't want to eat this kind of food with the Gentile Christians because these Judaizers are looking down on them. They're criticizing them. How could you eat this type of food when it is not proper according to our tradition? How can you eat this type of food with these people when our law from Abraham, from Moses, teaches us that we should eat this type of food in this kind of way? After having gone through these types of rituals. He goes on, Paul says, if really... It was about obeying these rules and keeping these laws and following these precepts. Then what is the point of Jesus having come? If we can earn our right relationship with God by eating kosher food and being circumcised and and, and, and following these rules, why in the world did Jesus even come? Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And now he's not asking This in a sincere way, it's a rhetorical question. How could you have been led astray? And if you remember, Paul asks this poignant question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by doing these works, by keeping Torah, by following the laws of Moses, by being circumcised, by eating this type of food? Or was it by hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and placing your faith and trust in him? Which is it, Church of Galatia, by doing these things or placing your faith and trust in the one who was sent to give us new life? Paul argues with this community, this church, that you began with the proper gospel, you began with the Spirit having led you, and now you're taking this detour of trusting in these laws, Gospel plus something else. And it's created a lot of havoc. As Pastor Tim mentioned in his prayer, there's a lot of biting and devouring and consuming going on amongst these people saying, hey, you Gentile Christians, um, I don't know about you. We're the Jewish Christians. We have Father Abraham. We have the law. Moses is our father. We have this lineage. And Paul is trying to debunk that. There's no Jew or Gentile. There's no slave or free, male and female. All are one in Christ Jesus. And Paul does this big hand-in-the-face moment where he says, Well, you want to look to Abraham? Hand-in-the-face, Judaizers. If you're in Christ Then Abraham is your father, Father Abraham. And he does this big rhetorical move and argues that, hey, you were running well. What happened to you guys? Why are you devouring one another? Who has hindered you from obeying the gospel message? Why are you adding to the gospel and in essence subtracting from the whole message? And so he talks about freedom. We're in chapter five as this opportunity for us to live by the spirit, that the spirit of God allows us to choose rightly what it is to live according to the gospel, not a gospel plus something, but the gospel to live rightly before God, which brings us to our text this morning. And I'm going to kind of look at the section of the vices and virtues is often called together verses 19 through 24. And this is my summary of what's going on here. Verse 19 begins with Paul saying the works of the flesh. It's like you living for yourself. It's like following these Judaizers who believe that you have to believe the gospel, but also be circumcised. You have to believe the gospel, plus eat this kind of food. Believe the gospel, plus. In essence, Paul's saying, that is not in step with the Spirit. Which results in these vices, and there's a whole list, and with the words that I put in bold, and things like these, because it is not an exhaustive list by any means. On the other hand, he says, the fruit of the Spirit, living by God's way, Living according to God's plan, living the way God had intended us to live, which means to live by the Spirit, results in these virtues, which is often referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. It's often referred to as the nine fruit of the Spirit, but there's this little phrase where Paul adds such things and other such things meaning that it is not an exhaustive list. Here, this passage, as rendered by another translation, quote, It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness trinket gods magic show religion paranoid loneliness cutthroat competition all-consuming yet never satisfied wants a brutal temper an impotence to love or be loved divided homes divided lives small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, I could go on. And The P- Apostle Paul goes on to say, quote, "'This isn't the first time I've warned you. "'You know, if you use your freedom this way, "'you will not inherit God's kingdom.'" But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for one another, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, but able to marshal and direct our energies wisely, End quote. So if you're following along in our bulletin, these are some reflections to help guide us this morning. Firstly, being a follower of Jesus Christ means that you're walking in the spirit which means that you're living a life in freedom to jesus christ which means that you belong to christ which means that you bear fruit of the spirit friends we are able to love the first fruit of the spirit because god has first loved us god so loved the world that he sent his only son God's love knows no bounds because God is love and to be in Christ to be a follower of Jesus is to partake and share in the love of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul also argues that life in Christ which is your life in the spirit is a life of joy the second fruit of the spirit. In a letter to the Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul reminds them to rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. But this is not just an exhortation to rejoice. It's not just an exhortation to find joy. It is a declaration. It is a declaration that those who are followers of Jesus Christ Those who walk in the Spirit, those who live a life in freedom to Jesus Christ, rejoice. But more specifically, rejoice in the Lord. And so it is with every other virtue experienced and gifted in the here and now. These virtues, this fruit of the Spirit, they are found and experienced in the Lord for those who belong and are found in Christ Jesus. This fruit of the Spirit, my friends, is not a checklist. It is not a list to gauge how one is doing spiritually as an individual believer. This passage and the whole context of Galatians, as I hope to show, is not about the interior life of the believer. It is much more than that. The church of Jesus Christ in Galatia was being attacked with messed up, twisted theology because their social relationships were all messed up and twisted. People were out to bite each other. People were out to devour each other and consume each other And if you were not from a certain ethnic group or of a certain gender or you didn't hold to certain traditions or you weren't born into a certain class or a family and didn't ascribe to certain dietary practices. Yes, there are elements of the fruit of the Spirit that have to do with an I and thou. But the prevailing argument I believe that Paul is making in Galatians is that the life of the community was being theologically challenged and distorted many of you know that I teach at a middle school and while I teach the subject matters Spanish and math those are the two subject matters that I teach a central responsibility that I hold dearly perhaps even more importantly then the subject matters that I teach is the responsibility of being a homeroom advisor. Now, middle school is a tough place. It is a place where biting and devouring and consuming goes on each and every day. I see it. I experience it. Your children see it. Your children experience it. And part of my Christian identity and ethic, what I believe the book of Galatians is on about, shapes the way I build community among my people, the 17 fifth graders God has entrusted to me, whether they're a Christian or not. My identity in Jesus Christ, my belonging to him, my walking freely in his spirit leads me to vigorously proactively, vigilantly guard against exclusion by way of students deciding who's in or who's out, mean talk or unwholesome language, disrespect and unkindness to teachers, peers, and even to themselves, students who bring attention to the haves and have-nots, so that people are not marginalized based on who they are. But instead, I hope to create a home, this home room where each student finds a place and belonging, a sense that there is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, and gentleness because God calls me as a follower of Jesus Christ, to bear fruit, to live by his spirit for God knows their stories. God knows what he's doing. And so I agree with Gordon Fee when addressing this idea of the fruit of the spirit. When he writes, quote, the decided majority of these items, the fruit of the spirit have to do not with the internal life of the individual believer, but with the corporate life of the community. That is, while it is true that individuals must love, work toward peace, express forbearance, kindness, and goodness, or be characterized by gentleness, nonetheless, in Pauline, Paranesis, that's argument, these virtues characterize God and motivate his conduct towards us, his own. And therefore, we must do the same within the believing community, which was the point that the Church of Galatia missed. But this idea that these virtues should inform the way I should relate to my brothers and sisters in Christ, my community, is not easy. It sounds lovely, It sounds admirable. The Bible commands it. But I have not found relating to and treating other believers, those brothers and sisters sitting around you, you can take a quick look, an easy task at all. And I do mean biblically speaking, not just a surface level, casual type of relating that often leaves a church 3,000 miles wide and half an inch deep that surface level kind of interaction is easy you just smile exchange a few pleasantries you keep it simple simple meaningful spirit led i argue not in any work around building genuine community both in and outside of the church I have found that it is more commonplace to find more communities that are actual parodies of community. The oldest and most natural community we know of is the brother and sister relationship, the blood siblings, who are often and regularly characterized as rivals, as in sibling rivalry competition and ugliness of sibling relationships have prevailed throughout most of history starting with Cain and Abel and we know how that story ends Jacob and Esau Joseph and his brothers Jesus and his siblings brothers fight sisters pull each other's hairs out and in our household thankfully this has largely passed but younger sister will bite older brother on the arm or back or leg even after having fed them a hearty meal (laughs) to be in community with people to be in community the gather people of god who belong to Christ, is by definition what it means to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot show patience when there is no one to be patient towards. One cannot grow in kindness if seen simply as a facet of one's interior life. Goodness does not exist apart from the good works one bestows to the other or to the enemy think of the story of the Gentile more famously known as the good Samaritan and starting with verse 26 throughout much of chapter 6 Paul is encouraging the believers of Galatia not to provoke one another not to envy one another teaching them how to relate to one another by the fruit of the Spirit, as those who belong in Christ Jesus. When modern day Christians limit their understanding of the fruit of the Spirit to simply an individual mandate, it not only does a it, does it disservice to the church, but I believe quelches the Spirit's ability to work in that community's midst. But all of that changes when Christ enters that picture. To know that we are bound relationally to one another by the one who has brought us together. The Apostle Paul, I believe, would say something like this. Do not be enslaved to the flesh. Do not be enslaved to the law. Do not be enslaved to the gospel plus rule keeping. Walk in the spirit because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom therefore be enslaved to christ and be enslaved to one another and bear much fruit for we know that christ did not come to be served but to serve and offer his life as a ransom for many to know that in christ who is god emptied himself and took the form of a slave, a servant. And the Greek word is doulos, took the form of a slave so that we may know what it means to be doulos to each other. It paints a completely radical picture, this kingdom picture of how we are to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, before Jesus broke his body and shed his blood on the cross he washed the feet of his disciples saying i am your master and your teacher but i am also giving you an example of what it means to be do lost to each other for in the words of our savior even a do loss is not greater than his master and throughout the new testament paul timothy and Peter, in service to the church and believers, refer to themselves as the do doulos of their Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God shows up not just to me, not just to you, but to us. Because we are called the people of God, the church, his church. God does amazing things in the life of his body by the bearing of much fruit both individually and corporately as his body, the church learns to rub shoulders and live in faithful obedience, the long obedience in the same direction. I leave you with this quote. It's from Eugene Peterson. Um, it's one of my favorite books. It's very digestible. It doesn't actually have to do with the fruit of the spirit, But it's about the Christian journey entitled A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He writes, A community of faith flourishes when we view each other with this expectancy, wondering what God will do today in this one and in that one. When we are in a community with those Christ loves and redeems, we are constantly finding out new things about them. They are new persons each morning, endless in their possibilities. We explore the fascinating depths of their friendship, share the secrets of their quest. It is impossible to be bored in such a community, impossible to be alienated among such people. Now, there might be some among you wondering where are the application points, Um, I did not provide any application points because I am of the belief that application will look differently for each people, each person sitting here. But just to aid in the process, I've underlined three things from this quote that I think points us in some direction about how we can encourage each other to bear fruit. One is to wonder What the person next to you, the wonder how God will show up in the life of the person to your right or to your left and to ask about it, to find out new things about them. uh, This would require conversation. So you going up to someone saying, what is God doing in your life? And to be open to receiving that question and to reciprocate. This kind of comes back to the idea of a church that is flat and wide, but possibly just an inch deep. The last one is to explore the fascinating depths of their friendship, meaning that there is a friendship being built. And there are secrets to this journey, this quest, this life that everyone in this room is living. And to dig deep, to rub shoulders to wonder to find out and to explore i think might be a good place to start let me pray for us father god we love you because you are good we thank you for your spirit's work in our lives we thank you for the gift of community we thank you that we are not lone ranger christians man that would be tough but we thank you that you provide us With a community of believers to grow in your spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.